I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have actor Sam Spurl. He's one of my favorite actors, and I've seen him work for a really long time. I discovered him in Luther, but he's also been in The Hurt Locker, Snow White and the Huntsman, and we're here to talk about his film today, directed by Steve McQueen, Mangrove. It is one of the finest films I've seen, and it echoes everything going on in the world. I'm so grateful to you, Sam. Here it is. Sam Sproul, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, brother? Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm well. I'm, uh, I'm on lockdown. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, Again. Well, uh, you know, before we get into the negative, I do want to start with the positive, man. Like, you have been one of my favorite actors for the last... 10 years, you know, I, 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 so rarely, you know, actors are able to come in a show and it doesn't matter if it's a co-star guest star or just like, you know, a, a, a single episode. But when I saw your episode of Luther, I was like, I was, I was like, I was just so drawn to your energy. And I was like, who is that guy? And then I was like, Oh, he was in the hurt locker. And I went back and watched that. And then ever since then I've watched everything that you've done and you are you're one of the greatest and most talented actors working right now, brother. You have such power and nuance with your choices. And I have the utmost and profound respect for what you do with the craft. And I hope I can be one-tenth the actor you are one day, man. It's, it's just so oh, graceful. Watching it's, it work. That's unbelievable, unbelievably nice of you to say so. And um, hopefully there's more of you, who, more people like you who think that way. Oh, there are. <laughs> Especially who are the jobs. You know, now that, you know, Bond's coming into an end, I'm, I'm going to talk to Barbara and get you in for 007. I'm glad we brought that contact. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it. Sam Sproul for Bond. <laughs> but, brother, before, before we dig into work, I'd, I'd love to start at the beginning. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in southeast London and uh, moved around a bit because my dad's job. But ultimately, yeah, most of my childhood was uh, – um, in London, uh, and uh, yeah, and that's where my mum still lives, and that's where I live now. I live in not southeast London, but east London. Okay, and so were, were your parents artists, or what did they do? Yeah, well, my they were a real mix, but my mum is an actress, and oh, so amazing. I grew up around it. And my dad was an engineer, and they met. My dad played golf with uh someone who and another actor who is in my um in a theater company with my mum and that's how they got together because those two worlds don't often yeah golfing and acting or not unless it's like some celebrity tournament you know no i know and actually you know my mum's a bit of a left-wing firebrand and golf clubs aren't really known for kind of um accommodating left-wing firebrands. Yeah, so yeah, it was, yeah. It's always been a bit of a kind of sticking point in their marriage. But no, they um, they had a long map before my, my dad's died now. But they had oh, a long I'm so sorry for your loss. No, not at all. But but um, they, uh, 
yeah, it was it was a good combo. It kind of like my dad was a kind of strong, silent type, and my mum is kind of uh, a very uh, vivacious um, kind of demonstrative actress. So wow. you know, it, so it opposites attract in some ways. There. I think so. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Are are you the only child? No, I've got a sister. Uh, who's a psychotherapist. Oh, amazing. You know, yeah, well, useful when discussing character, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, God, that'd be such a great resource to have. I'm yeah. curious then, so talk to me. You know, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, so I didn't really have access to theater, but like being in London, you got the West End, you got the Old Vic, you got, you know, all the great BBC programs. Like, what was the thing that got you interested in theater? Like, was well, there a moment? I think actually, I didn't really know I had an interest in theatre, but I think for a kid being the son of an actor, you know, I just found the going backstage or meeting actors and the kind of personality of those acting communities. I just found it so um, intriguing and attractive. You know, yeah. I just, I loved I love the fact that it was a group of energized individuals who could tell stories and have a real laugh, who were quite big drinkers. There's a lot of personality in the group of friends that my mum had. The energy. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, loved, I loved all that. And then, uh, and then it was just kind of, I suppose, I, yes, I, I was aware of kind of London theatre and all well, the kind of culture that London has, but really it was much more micro for me. Like I started going to a local youth theatre when I was about eight or nine. And that was kind of really brilliant for me. I think brilliant for all kids, yeah. whether they want to go into acting or not. It's just as a kind of confidence thing, as a way of kind of like being able to communicate what I wanted to say. That really helped me out. You know, I just love yeah. that aspect to it. That's so beautiful because I always feel like, you know, when your parents are in the business, it goes one of two ways where you, you love it or you're embarrassed by it. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. so cool that you embrace that. How was your mother when, when like, what, what was the moment where you were like, Mom, Dad, I, I really want to do this youth theater? Uh, I mean, it was, I, I think it was just the thing because I was, I, was, I was really young. So I think it was just like, it was just there and it happened, but it turned out to be a resource for me that was just fantastic. It was a social scene. It was um, doing stuff that I just responded to. It allowed you to kind of express yourself, wow. you know, and it was all about imagination. And I think those are kind of things that as a professional, some of those things get forgotten about, you know, yeah, totally. we should be, we should be being as an imaginative as possible. When a lot of the kind of, a lot of the times the work requires you just to kind of be a cog in a machine where yeah. I think actually we need to be, you know, not all parts allow that, but certainly projects should be thinking big all the time. And I no. think that, that being part of a youth theater, being part of a kind of storytelling world really engendered kind of imaginative thinking. And that's kind of, that's certainly kind of, that's certainly kind of been the flavor of how I like to approach work ever since. Yeah, that childlike wonder of imagination. That's what we all strive to maintain. You know, as you get older, you get so disillusioned from that. And well, I think that's a problem. You get a yeah. bit down. And, 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 you know, if you're lucky enough to have some kind of career, lucky enough to be working a lot, it's, it's your duty to be imaginative as possible about the story you're telling, you know. And a lot of people kind of are a bit frightened about that. They're a bit frightened to kind of um, go beyond the lowest common denominator, you know, <laughs> whether, it be, whether it be like with a baddie uh, part or, you know, or a kind of what, what um, you know, if, if you're trying to kind of uh, shoot a love, a love story or whatever it is, you know, let's try and tell these stories in different ways and yeah. imaginative ways possible. That's so beautiful. And, you know, we don't have them the way you guys do there with like youth theaters, not, not, you know, maybe in New York and like more metropolitan cities, but yeah. I'm curious, you know, when you were, when you guys were doing work there, what were you doing? Were you doing like original contemporary plays or was it? No. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I, 
I was, I think I was one of the youngest, so I was about nine, but there was like 11, 12, 13 year olds there. But what it was actually attached to, <laughs> it's so funny that we're talking about this because it's such a kind of tiny youth there, but it was important for the local area. Yeah, know? of course. We, 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 it was attached to a kind of um, uh, something called age concern, which was, it was really, it was a charity which uh, kind of um, uh, invested in, um, pensioners but it also at the same time as kind of helping pensioners out it would get them into the center and there would be quite a lot of um uh interviews and discussions about their lives as younger people as well wow. so it was a kind of like um a history center as well you know that would record first first-hand testimonies and then what they would do with those testimonies they would often then make uh, a play out of those testimonies wow. so 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 one of the good things about it was that we'd often be working with um old people so it was bringing old and young people together yeah yeah and uh, which is just a kind of i think just an awesome kind of concept which we often doesn't happen enough you know we're also always talking about the power of what young people can do for old people and what old people can teach young people but we rarely have a kind of situation or a system that allows that to happen but a, a, commu a community incubator so to speak you know exactly. like exactly. that's so beautiful man i'm so glad yeah. you had that it was, and it was great as you transitioned into your teens was there a moment then where you kind of started to well, like, well, well then actually weirdly i was doing it at school a little bit and um i think just because it was in my genes a bit i had some i was you know showed a bit of promise and then a teacher said we well, should do you should audition for something called the national youth theater which was yeah one of the best on a kind of national scale yeah and that was based in london i did that i got in and then i did plays with them until i left school every summer and actually got ended up getting an agent through doing a play with them and uh and that was just really kind of again a, a body of people all learning whether it, there was kind of kids doing backstage stuff i was acting obviously but we were all learning together and learning about ourselves you know in the same way that you do at that age and uh it was really you know like it was people were coming from all different backgrounds from all different parts of the country and it was so brilliantly educational but that sounds so dry but actually yeah. what i mean is it was just like fantastic about learning about people from all around the country and their backgrounds and what they were living with and you know people we were in our teens and people were kind of they were getting to, it was this kind of safe space to get to grips with their sexuality if they wanted to do that and and it was just seemed like a a really open kind of uh institution to uh be yourself yeah you know and then and then we and then we just did some really good work and it was really towards the the end of my time there that i thought oh i could maybe do this for a job you, you felt know? like you found your voice i think so yeah well yeah. i just like i found a, enough enjoyment in it and enough kind of um methodology in when it came to like prepare looking at plays and preparing characters that i thought oh, this is interesting. This is going to use my brain sufficiently to want yeah. to do it for a long time. You know? totally. and, and systematically, what was your approach? Did you want to just keep doing plays and enriching yourself in the theater community? Or was film and TV something very much that piqued your interest as well? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't even kind of considered film and telly. I mean, I liked it a bit, but I didn't know much about it. I wasn't a kind of... Um, uh, cinephile or anything like that I knew a lot about plays and then I went to university and I studied drama there which was a theoretical course and that was all plays all the history of theatre nothing about film which theater which university was this I went to Hull University which you won't have heard of Hull but it's it's in the northeast of England it was a kind of uh, a huge fishing town in the oh, early wow. part of the 20th century and then a lot of the industry got wiped out so it went through some hard times but it's coming back yeah good so, coming back strong but they do have a really good university there and it was a really good drama department but the first one of the first jobs i got straight off the bat out of college was um was a film job it was a short film and then i got like two or th two or three of my first jobs were all in film including 
working for Catherine Bigelow uh, on a film called K-19, The Widowmaker. Oh, the, yes. We all knew out of college. We all didn't know. But we just all thought we were going to be doing theatre, like a bubble. Yeah. Or we had no kind of aspirations other than just to continue working, which yeah. actually was quite a good aspiration for the rest of your life. But, yeah. You know, but, um, and, then, and then suddenly you, I really enjoyed it. I, as soon as I kind of started film acting, I loved it. I loved, I loved the kind of factory element to it where there's just loads of different people all working at the same time for one goal, which was like a minute take that yeah. is right. You know, and I because that's a huge film. You know, that's like uh, huge. Yeah, kind of in a way like going to an amazing film school. Yeah, just learn about every aspect of it, and also like I was working when I got that job. I was working in a calf. I mean, you don't call them a calf, but I was working in a what would you call it? A dino. A diner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done it. I was clearing maybe 150 bucks a week. And uh, and suddenly I was being paid to be on a film. It was like winning the lottery. You know, I just wow. couldn't believe it. My my dad, because he lived with, his, lived with my mum, who had only done theatre, so had only earned very minimal amounts. Yeah. You know, he just couldn't believe that I landed this job. But it was so there was that was great. But what was really good was yeah, working with all these people who um, were at the top of their game in the film world, like cameramen and sound people and special effects and then some really incredible actors so yeah. you know and and Catherine who you worked with later again and Catherine yeah, yeah who is a kind of who is a kind of she's a true artist in a way you know she she really um she really makes you can see that she really kind of each scene is she kind of makes a painting and, yeah and she doesn't direct you as such she just you just get a sense of your role within that painting sorry i'm sounding a bit pretentious but no not at all it's kind of like she does she makes paintings because she started off as a painter and i think that's how she sees it and you just find your role within that and then you're away and um but it was i mean and we filmed in canada and we went all over the place and it was really uh and i made such good friends but that was the kind of start where i thought oh well then maybe maybe i could do film acting it doesn't yeah. have to be theater um and i came back you know having done this big hollywood film and i didn't work for a year and uh <laughs> Because it's the film obviously hadn't like, come out it's yet, such right? A false dawn. Yeah, it did. It did. Even though, and then I got a job, and then you know, and then I all through my twenties, it was a bit stop start. But actually, it did set me on a road to being able to do film and television work. And what you know, going from this huge experience to then this gap, how did you buoy yourself during that time, and not you know just literally cave to despair or you know i did cave to despair actually yeah back to it i was and it was really i i remember i was at home a lot and i and the one thing i should have done yeah i didn't because i'd earned really well so i had this money in my bank account which i never had yeah and um I, i and so i didn't need to get a job and actually, the best thing I should I could have done and should have done was to I I should have just got a job, any job. I should yeah. have gone back to the bar that I worked in. I should have done something. But uh, and so I got quite you know in any unemployment situation, you were living in your head. Yeah, I was living yeah. in my head, which is oh. not you know you shouldn't be there too long. Oh God, and, no. <laughs> and, and, but I yeah, it was silly. And the best and the thing I learned from it was oh yeah. You just have to get a job. If yeah. you, if you, you know, you can wait around for a bit, but actually, if it's not, if 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 the auditions aren't flying in, just get a job because it's better around, to be around people. It's just, it's it's than you know. But most people, it's it's you have to because you need the money, and that's always going to dictate. But just in that moment of time, I didn't need the money, um, uh, but. Uh, 
but I really needed the mental stimulus, you know. Yeah. And well, what was it like then for you when the film did come out? Because the film was successful, and it was. But I mean, it was. I was a small part in that film. I think it's just. I think one thing I've learned, kind of, you know, in my career to date, is that um, one thing I've learned is that you've just got to keep going, and and that big breaks really are quite rare yeah you know so it doesn't like and everything i've done i've done some big films over the year but but actually rarely do they really break things open yeah you know and and but the, but but it does happen and it's like when you it, it's fantastic and it especially happens to quite a lot of young people because they become you know i mean We've seen it with loads of young people, like people coming out of Game of Thrones. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I, I had Paul Mescal and Daisy Edgar Jones on, normal people, exactly. you know, sh shot out of the cannon, you know? The majority of us are kind of dealing with, you know, it happens in the States as well. Like, oh, God, I name a dozen actors who I've seen all the time. I really rate them, but it's not, nothing has kind of really broken it. Yeah. It's just, it's just chipping away, chipping away being known as a like, I mean, the, it is kind of, if you can get known as a great character actor, it's brilliant, but you just, you just got to chip away. So more gradually you're recognized in as a, not only a good character actor, but a good character actor who can hold a leading part as well. Yeah. But that's the dream. That's the thing I love about you is you, you are a good character actor, but you're a handsome, you're a handsome motherfucker too, man. And, oh, and so you, you, you're, <laughs> you, you're able to be able to play a multitude of characters, but the, the, there's this power behind you. And I'm, I'm so curious, you know, as you came out of K-19 and did a, a few bit more parts, what then was there, you know, with your agent, did you tactically have a path or were you just kind of taking things as it came? I just took things as they came and and now things are a bit more tactical and I can kind of like maybe sometimes like, you know, jobs that I wouldn't never have turned down 10 years ago uh, because, you know, it was really important to work and I had a young baby to support and stuff like that. Now it feels like I feel more confident to turn stuff down. But I think on the whole, it was, it was just to, my strategy was just to carry on working. Yeah, and to and to feed off the confidence of work, you know, and and that that really is important. And then and then you know, a lot of young actors sometimes I talk to them, they go, well, I don't know whether I want to do it. And I'm a bit like, take the job, yeah. take the job, and build it up, and you know, and get a good body of work behind you, and then maybe a bit later. You know, and if, you, if you're like smashing it and you're a superstar, then yeah, it's a whole different set of rules. Yeah. But I think ultimately it was taking the job. And also it's always been about looking out for interesting work, interesting writers, interesting directors and actors who can, who can really push you, who can push you to be better, who can push you to kind of think, uh, think, uh, I don't know, more openly about what work can be as well. What are the kind of levels it can reach? And, um, and people doing kind of work that is, makes you feel uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. doing kind of, I still am really attracted uh, to doing work that is, um, I don't know, that is that kind of work above a pub or whatever, but that is kind of avant-garde theatre or something. I don't go and see a lot of avant-garde theatre, but yeah. actually it's big in Europe and it's the kind of stuff that usually ends up, it's way at the, the kind of extreme end of, of kind of theatrical activity, if you like, but it all filters down. Yeah. It all feeds into the work that we end up doing in more kind of mainstream circumstances, you know, but be interested in it all. In you, yeah. As you would say, when you go and see some, kind of great art that you know very little about in an art gallery go and do the same with kind of theater and other yeah. stuff and push your mind to kind of be more as we say be more imaginative 
and, and, and talk to me, brother, because, you know, I feel like that one of the biggest differences between the UK and America as far as the shows that get made is, you know, here in America, we mythologize our working class. And often in the UK, you mythologize the aristocracy, which is yeah. why there's so many excellent period dramas. Yeah. Were you, were you interested in doing those or did you try to avoid those? Uh, no, I, I mean, I've done the only kind of period stuff I've done is where I'm, uh, playing working class people. I've never yeah. been asked to. Actually, that's not true. I was, I did play a lord once. But, um, I think, um, yeah, I'm kind of also, we, it is a big export of ours, isn't it? Yeah. If you look at kind yeah. of Delton Abbey or loads of the period stuff. Victoria, the Crown. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and we do it, we do it well. I, 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 I don't, immediately gravitate towards that because um i think i'm less interested in i'm more interested in the kind of presentation of the past that is not about celebrating the very wealthy right that's not to say that's not to say we i agree <laughs> stories but but i think I, I i'm i think there's i think we've done it a lot and I think there's other stories about the past that, um, like that Peaky Blinders, maybe that, that can. Uh, what, what's the word that can um, include a more kind of diverse set of stories? Totally. And uh, and I think um, while the costume dramas are not going anywhere, I think you know, I think just to kind of we need to keep on thinking about what stories that we can tell that give you a kind of a rich version of British history or American history or, you know, who the stories that we want them, we, we want to tell have to keep on being diverse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And, and while this period was going on right before, you know, we'll dig in the Hurt Locker, but right, were you still doing theater as well? Yeah, I was doing, uh, I mean, I've done a whole kind of range of, of some weird theater and, um, uh, by a whole commission, I've done some Pinter. I did, um, which uh, Pinter? I did the caretaker. Oh, it's meant for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I got to see that on video. I hope it was recorded. No, no, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was with Jonathan price who, um, who was fantastic. Yeah. Love really Jonathan. And, um, and I did, uh, some Edward Bond, and I did, uh, and I'd done some Shakespeare and then some modern plays as well. So it's kind of, um, yeah, and, and actually theatre is a kind of funny one because it's, for me now, I mean, I got together with someone, my wife works in film, and when I got together with her 15 years ago, suddenly she was getting up at 6 o'clock, I was finishing a play and coming in at, uh, late yeah. after a few pints with the cast and it didn't it didn't really that the combination of those worlds didn't really work so um i knew i was onto a good thing with her so i thought well look i'm gonna do less theater yeah. and try and do more film and telly and i've been lucky enough to do that but it it's just it's meant that i haven't done as much theater in the last kind of 10 years as i would like but i think um it's one of those things with theatre. I mean, I don't know, where are you phoning from? Are you phoning from L.A.? Uh, no, I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York oh, City. Oh, sorry, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, one of those, it's one of those, sorry. It's one of those things where um, uh, I think theatre always does kind of drag you back. Yeah, because it's, totally. kind of, it's a form of concentration because there is no do-over. There is no second take. You absolutely have to concentrate for that time. Yeah, there's nothing all, like it in the all world. the way through, and so it really does strengthen you as an actor. I think. Yeah, and it, you're one of the sharpest ones, man. So when you know Catherine had the idea to do this film, did you know that you were going to be? You know, did she call you and say, "Hey, she Sam"? Yeah, I... and then sometimes I have had people just call me, which is so weird. She called me. Um, and said, oh, will you play a part in this film? And I was like, yeah. And she yeah, said, of course. <laughs> there's a couple of 
uh, parts. I'll just send it to you, and you can choose which one you want. I was like, okay, great. I'll choose the one with the most lines. <laughs> <laughs> you and Ray Fine. <laughs> yeah. Next to Ray Fine, so yeah. I'm in camera. Yeah. But, uh, no, and uh, but yeah, and then I've had kind of yeah, I've often had not often, but weirdly had kind of odd phone calls like um, with other directors who have called me up and. Uh, yeah, and asked me if I wanted to do it. And that is actually, the straight offers are the best. Yeah. The auditions, as we all know, because I audition all the time, I'm sure you you do. I just it's, had three this morning, so. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it's, uh, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. And, and there's something, that even though, sometimes it's nice to earn a job through the process. So right. to audition, right. smash the audition, and get the job. And that's really nice. But actually, when you get an offer, what's really nice is that it just means from the off, someone has trusted you. Yeah. And 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 it's quite a confidence boost because you go, okay, great. They want me to do it. Am I, I feel invigorated to kind of start pre preparing this character. And it's really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, and the, the, I did a job last year and... It was such a great role, such a great show. And they offered it to me. I was like, I could not believe it. I just could not believe I hadn't had to jump through hoops. Because you do other, you go out for other jobs, a part that you're not that interested in maybe, or just a TV show that you're not yeah. that really sold on. But but you just, uh, you have to go through so many fucking hoops. To oh, the bureaucracy of it all is insane. Yeah. And yeah. it can mean... Nothing about your talent. It could be your eye color, and it no, doesn't work not out. At all. Yeah, not at all. and then you realize that I don't know, like the son of the producers. Yeah, well, I, 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 yeah, exactly. A whole totally. series of things that is absolutely nothing to do with your talent. It could be the way your hair is. It could be that they don't like your teeth. You know, it's a myriad of things. And when something like the Hurt Locker speaking of getting shot out of a cannon happened and you know it had this huge oscar i mean I, you you have an amazing you know few scenes in there you know or, or more a long segment yeah yeah what did you ever at that point start to you know i know you have a wife there but did you ever think about maybe i should come to the states or were you yeah, i mean i did a job in the states actually i did a season and an episode on um on a show for tnt and so we went and lived in la for a bit and uh, yeah, I mean, the States, because of just by virtue of its sheer output, you know, yeah. uh, you, you're like, okay, let's do it. And also, quite frankly, TV in the States pays really well. Yeah, it does. You know? <laughs> and so that, to earn some money as an actor felt wonderful, felt unbelievably lucky. Yeah. You know? Because usually we're just skinned all the time and yeah. so and it's very hand to mouth it's like well i've got a job this that so maybe this year is good but once that money's gone you haven't had another job then it's yeah. gone you know so but uh so to put some money in the bank was great and i think it, you're always gonna it has such a kind of amazing tradition of making movies there uh, uh and movies that's kind of on a large scale that it's always going to seem really exciting. And so since I was quite young in my career, even when it was just like, I'm like I look back at it and go, why did I, why was I going? I was, I was like going to the States, trying to get a manager or trying yeah. to put my face around. I would always do that from quite early on. And uh, because I think also there is, there is an energy you can feed off this in the states which yeah. is very much a can-do energy now i feel slightly more cynical about that energy now <laughs> I because do I think it's, it's kind of it's a bit kind of it can be misleading yeah but it's still when you go there you really feel like you can make stuff happen there yeah. and that's really that's really exciting you know to feed off that energy where do you feel like, you know, because we'll, we'll dig into Snow White and Taken 3, but do you feel like, you know, Luther being the rabid hit that it was, that was where people really got to know Sam, you know? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think, again, it's just, I mean, certainly in, um, in Britain, I did a film uh, in 2000, around 2006, maybe, which was called London to Brighton. 
Yeah. And it's a small, tiny film. We all worked on it for nothing, but it was, it became, it was a really big, uh, for its size, a really big hit. It went to a lot of good festivals. I think it got nominated for a BAFTA for the director. Oh, wow. Young British director. And, um, but it, lots of people in the industry liked it and they, and they liked what I did in it and it changed it. It just changed things. You could yeah. just, just feel it that uh, the, I was meeting more people go, oh, I saw you in that. It's fantastic. I, we'd really like you to, to meet for this. And even if I didn't get the job, I knew that I'd gone up a step. Yeah. And that sometimes you sometimes are aware. I mean, all too often in this game, you're aware. You just feel like you're going down steps. Yeah, it's so, the self awareness is crippling. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Sometimes something happens and you go. It doesn't like. It's not a Game of Thrones, but what it does do is that it brings people in the industry who you want to work with. It brings you to their attention, well, yeah, whether it be casting directors or directors or whatever. And that was really good to do. You were you were knighted, so to speak. I mean, to get Snow White and the Huntsman and Taken Three, you know, those are huge studios. That well, are, I only got you, Snow White and the Hus Huntsman because um, the director Rupert Sanders had seen that tiny film, London to Brighton. No way! And he'd seen it, and then five five years later, said to the casting director, "There's a guy who I saw in this film. Can we get him in?" Because there was a whole list of people for that. I wasn't anywhere near those lists. Yeah. And I, and I remember I was sanding the floors at home and um, I got a call from the car, from my agent saying, um, can you go and see the casting director now? Because um, the director has asked for you to go on tape. I learned the lines on the train. I went and did the audition and then I had to do a screen test because the studio and yeah, the politics of all that. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, and then I got the job and it was kind of, but it was only because I'd done that, that first little tiny film, which we all did for free. Wow. And, uh, you know, and so it was, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing ch chance that the director had seen a film. And was it cool to go back to a, you know, a $300 million movie set where, you know, it's oh. film school all over again. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was also, I had a much kind of, I had a part that I could really do something with and really be creative. And I remember, you know, talking with the director, talking with Rupert and saying, well, look, I feel like I've seen these pictures and I think this, this, this look could work. And I found these pictures of an eighties, uh, punk actually. So it was oh, like wow. a, punk, it was a book about punks. And it was just this one particular guy who had a kind of his head shaved halfway back and this kind of strange bowl cut. And um, I said, I think this would be good, and uh, but I want to dye my hair platinum as well, and um, and yeah, and and it, we, there was the kind of capacity to make those decisions and action them, you know, because yeah. budget and uh, and it was just so we could do amazing looks, and then they wanted me to train, and uh, because I had to do fights with Chris Hemsworth, who's ginormous. Oh God! skinny kind of very light guy and they you know we put on i put on 50 pounds or whatever you know and it was just of muscle stuff. or yeah but yeah wow. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, but stuff where i mean some of it was probably quite a lot of fat in there as well but <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a lot bigger but i think what was good about that was um it's just having having resource having money yeah. to do stuff and like and actually to have that opportunity to go and horse riding yeah i went every day i didn't have to go every day but i went every day because i thought i'm never going to have this chance again yeah to go and horse ride and to do this stuff you know and it's and it's that kind of thing sorry let me turn the lights on oh no it's problem that kind of thing where you just go oh this is really um this is really important to take advantage of you know and it's, yeah. it's those big those big budget things that's what's great is the resources available to you you know and and it never gets old that for me yeah to, have, to be able to learn new stuff or to be able to rehearse big fights it's great and and then doing something like startup was that you know kind of a throwback to london to brighton just a great movie that you totally. just you believed in the story and you wanted to be a part of it totally and also i kind of i think david mckenzie yeah because we made that for nothing yeah again like we were out, out i remember because we were shooting in this prison in Belfast 
And I remember. Oh, you guys shot in Belfast. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. This used prison in Belfast. And I, and everyone was looking, so I wear the dressing rooms and we were shown to, we each had a cell. So we were in this Victorian prison, which was freezing in winter. And they had. And it, in use, the prison? Like, was it yeah. in use? Wow. It wasn't in use. It wasn't in use, but they gave us a cell just as our, rather than have trailers, we each had a cell. And a heater. And it was totally depressing. But, um, but I suppose it kind of kept us in, that zone. in, in the flavor of the film. But, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, it was made for very little and it was alive. You know, it had brilliant young actors Jack O'Connell, who obviously is yeah. just a fantastic talent. Ben, and, you know, Rupert. And Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, amazing. yeah. Oh, and man. it was just, um, it was just, I mean, the whole, that show, the production, you know, was chaotic. The s script needed work during the process, and that's quite often. And, but it was, it was part of the kind of fluid nature of it. David McKenzie works in quite an unorthodox way. He's kind of keeps his cards close to his chest, but he's also like he promotes. He kind of likes it when it gets chaotic. Yeah. You know? And so there was lots of people doing lots of different stuff. And as you know, prisons can be chaotic. So it felt uh, it felt. Um, yeah, it felt disorganized, but actually. It, it, it also was really exciting to be part of. just seeing what people were coming up with yeah. the characters that they had and um and it, yeah and and also it's that kind of where there's no bullshit waiting for stars or waiting for kind Total. of people yeah. to go through the works of like dealing with their team dealing with all the kind of high profile stuff it was just actors turning up and getting on with it, yeah know? no one being a fucking <laughs> asshole i i love that and last one before we move into Mangrove, Taken Three was that a, just a blast? Um, Taken Taken Three again uh, was I was actually in LA and I auditioned for it there, and then just before I left LA, I got the job, and so that was it was really it was really exciting to return home knowing that I was going to do this action movie and uh, be part of this kind of crazy franchise. Yeah, and it was. It was just a real laugh, and I had kind of one, but it's a, it's a, a, a all French crew essentially. There was there was some people, but most of it shot in France. Yeah, they did some in America, but most of it shot in France. And half the time, I didn't understand what was going on. Like the weapons guys, they didn't speak any English, and I speak some French, but it was just funny. There was kind of lost in translation stuff. Literally, yeah. Yeah. One scene, I'm in my underpants. I've got a machine gun. And I'm meant to be firing at, um, uh, uh, at Liam Neeson's character. And the camera was on me. So I just thought, right, they're just going to. But it, ju it was just really starting on me. But there wasn't rehearsal. And I remember starting to fire this machine gun. And then, I, and then I spotted another camera in the corner. And then I realized we're doing the whole lot. And suddenly this apartment, which was a set, just started blowing up. It just all these squibs were going off and I was kind of firing this machine gun. I didn't realize any of this was going to happen because sometimes they give you more warning that there's going to be other. Yeah, what to expect. I mean, just, and by the time they finished the take, everything was just destroyed. And it was that kind of, uh, it was always surprising and funny and just, it was just a real laugh doing that film actually. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it, I say this with love. It's a real laugh watching that film because they're so stylized and you know yeah, over the top. Yeah, it, totally, yeah. Totally ridiculous. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. So then, going totally in a different direction, talk to me about Mangrove, brother. You're so amazing in that, and and Steve McQueen, an icon. You know, how, how did this come your way? Uh, I just the casting director just got me in to meet Steve. Did you and know him already or no? I knew the cast and director. I obviously didn't know Steve. And um, we um, we did the scene and it was, I did it very differently from how I ended up doing it in the film. Um, but I think there was a kind of energy or a kind of tone that I touched on that Steve really liked and he cast me. Wow. And, um, and then we started rehearsing it and he, got me to change the performance completely and got me to 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 re-understand 
what he was what he wanted from the part and um and it was i felt quite trepidatious about it because it's a story about uh, the black community in london in in, in uh, west indian community yeah. in west london more specifically and um and i was playing you know the racist cop and uh and i felt yeah I, it's quite a tough gig you know a story about black resilience and you're playing numero yeah <laughs> yeah and so i just was like you have to kind of gird gird your loins you have to steel yourself to do that not only just to play those kind of characters but also to um to be around you know a predominantly black cast who and you're all slightly staying in character and you're all kind of continually hating each other through yeah. the day because that's what you have to those are the yeah. parts you're playing yeah. when actually all you want to do is hug <laughs> exactly yeah like, fuck this this is horrible yeah but um you can't you have to keep that tension um and we hugged at the end and it was a really glorious hug oh. but uh up until all through weeks of filming it was quite a lonely spot to be yeah apart from the conversations I had with Steve and he was really um he was really wonderful and supportive and um energized and agitated and which is just a, like a ball of creative fire yeah you know and who doesn't stop doesn't stop until he gets what he needs and sometimes he gets on the first take oh wow he, and he just stops and you're just like oh can I have another one he was like no but it was he i really i really just that kind of the pressure he puts he places on top in a kind of good way on top of you is is good it's like it you come with your a game everyone does and um and it's it's really it was great to work yeah, it's such a beautiful film, and and the day this interview is going live, everyone, you have to check it out. It's it's such an imperative viewing, especially in a, in the world that I mean, particularly in America right now, but in the world altogether, it's it's crazy to say. I don't want to say how little has changed, but how similar things are. You know, yeah. the parallels. And, and Steve, I mean, but Steve dedicated the films to George Floyd. I mean that says it already yeah 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 and and talk to me man you know as someone who's played a lot of you know villain or or not always the most likable you're able to do it with such three-dimensional capabilities and and to make them flawed but understandable like how, what's your process when you when you get a character do you do you uh -oh. work with a coach or you know i'm not asking yeah, you to give uh, your secrets away but uh, yeah no i just do i do i start i just I just try and think who they are as people. And so with this guy, I think uh, he's quite confused about the world he lives in. Yeah. So I don't know whether he does some very cruel things, but he's unable to be generous to someone. And what makes you unable to be generous and so ungenerous to someone that you end up being cruel, you end yeah. up being really deeply unkind to someone and vicious. Yeah. Like what has happened to you? What is happening to you that yeah. makes you do that? It's not because you're intrinsically evil, yeah. and it's I'm not interested in the kind of ah oh, ah oh, oh, <laughs> I know kind of right characters. Yeah. I mean, like of course you sometimes get a two-dimensional character that you just go fuck it, yeah, let's yeah, go all out on this. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be fun, and it's like panto. Yeah, but actually, most of the time you want to make something that's um, interesting and three-dimensional and yeah, that really doesn't start with how evil can I make this guy? It usually starts with what's happened to this guy? What yeah. damage has he sustained that uh, uh, makes him cruel to others? And I've always found that, that is a, that's a really uh, useful starting point to get underneath to achieve some depth yeah. to uh, someone who is a piece of work. What a wonderful answer. It's so beautiful. Well, it's such an incredible film, and, and I, I, I'm so grateful for your time. I got a final few questions for you, if that's okay, brother. And I'd sure. love, love to have you back anytime. You've been so amazing, and my right. gratitude is endless. 
um, you know, for for all the young Sams out there, male or female, you know, wide-eyed actors that, you know, are maybe finishing, I don't know what you guys call it there. We call it high school, primary school, or grand, you yeah. know, and, and want to enter this business. Any words of advice you would have for them? Um, I, I mean, I started late, but I would say get together with your friends who are interested in it as well and just make stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about your future stardom. If you're good and have qualities, you'll have a career. But I think if you want a really fulfilling career, start making stuff, start yeah. creating stuff, start writing as well as you're acting yeah. and work on that because um, I think that's all you are employed by anyway. You know, yeah. someone else who's started <laughs> writing and working with other stuff, you know. But to do it yourself, you may get a chance to uh, get to decide that, you're going to give yourself that big part that you would never get yours, <laughs> you know? And I, think yeah. that, I think it's like, uh, I think we all have uh, these um, stories within us. So go and tell them. Don't wait for, don't wait for the For someone to give you a turn. Yeah. Or yeah. Don't someone to, 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 so you can play a, a part in telling their story, tell yeah. your stories, you know? And I think, I, I, I think, yes, of course, you know, there is all kinds of acting possibilities as well. I think there's some really exciting ones and some people get incredible opportunities and you'll go and do Shakespeare or you'll go and work with Catherine Bigelow or whatever it is. But, um, but I think, you know, essentially if they, if I'm talking to a young person, I'm saying, well, you are the future of the industry. So yeah. maybe you should just start thinking about that now, not in a heavy way, but yeah. just start making stuff now. Yeah. You know, especially with iPhones. I mean, Jesus. The technology. Really good yeah. film on an iPhone. We're all doing tapes, audition tapes on an iPhone now. You I know. know. So why not just shoot the phone? And, and all our photos are pretty much iPhone photos now. Exactly. You know, you know, and, and then yeah. written, and then when you get on set, you go, oh, we can shoot that with, that. that's, I think they say, that's 4G. We can, we, or, or, you know, we can shoot that with, with, with an iPhone and it, and it matches up with that. Uh, digital camera we use. Wow, it's you know, so, so nice. Just, so just so in a way, um, I'd say yeah, start making stuff early. Start uh, writing stuff. Experiment with that. Wonderful answer, man. Thank you for that. And final question, you know, man, it's 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 been a really heavy time in the world. Uh, you know what what's keeping Sam inspired right now? Um, I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of. Uh, I don't know, trying to, I'm doing some work, which is good. So I'm thinking about that. And I'm also just reading and watching good shows, good films that I haven't seen. And I mean, like, that is the one good thing about lockdown is having the time just to kind of do stuff maybe that you wouldn't do normally. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, um, yeah, sorry, I'm not being very fluid. No, 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 you are, man. It's but I think I think just just and also I've got a little garden. I feel like in New yeah. York, very few people have a garden. No, it's so, so hard. <laughs> but, um, but I've got a little garden, and so I've been growing vegetables all through the summer. That has been a beautiful thing. Ah, oh, botany's a wonderful thing, man. I love that. <laughs> Well, Sam, I'm such a big fan of yours, man. I have so much love for you, brother. I'm going to get you a bond. And <laughs> if, if, if you're ever in New York or I'm in there, I'd love to grab coffee. And, and I will do that. I'll yeah. let you know. Let's do this again, man. So much love, brother. You're truly an artist through and through. And I look forward to all that's to come. Oh, thanks so much, Ryan. All right. Much love, Sam. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.